What's up, guys? Our Wrestling Podcast back at you with another episode. This is Dave Vicious along with Jess, the Total Package, Craig, the British Bulldog, because uh, ain't here this week, bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards, sharing opinions with you. Someone feed me today's topic. We are going to talk about the legacy of one ravishing thick rude. <laughs> The ravishing one. The ravishing one. For audio fans, give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. Or watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Podcast. On social media, give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWP2019. At Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast. Craig, I think this is going to be fun. It's it's time to do a a big... What I'd like to have right now (laughs) is for all you out of shape North Bergen sweat hogs... (laughs) Keep the noise down while we take our robes off and show the ladies who the real wrestling podcast is. <laughs> Hit the music. <laughs> he was awesome, right? He's one great. of the, I'd say one of the best heels ever uh, for so many reasons. I know we'll probably get into it, but uh, there, there's even been a lot on social media lately about no one took the atomic drop better than Rick Rude. No one sold it better. <laughs> <laughs> no one had a better example. backdrop. That's a wrestling fact. <clears throat> yeah, he was he he was great at, at putting people over, man. He was one of the best, you know. And um, I think the hard part is if he was in any in any other federation for a longer period of time, which was proven, he would have multiple championships because the heel would be getting chased. But that's not what how it was in the land of giants, and he was always the chaser or the IC champ, as you see behind me carrying that beautiful intercontinental championship belt in wwf um but yeah what you guys say about rick rude before we get started i'm well uh the reason why i chose to do this it's right at the end of april um this won't be released until the 4th of may but uh in april was the anniversary of his unfortunate death we have been without rick rude for 22 years wait he died 22 years ago okay that's yeah insane I thought that I thought he died in like the last decade. Yeah. Not that's no, no. Unfortunately, he died in nineteen ninety nine. Whoa! Wow. Thanks, Jess. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, well, wow. I brought everybody down. I apologize. <laughs> well, we'll see you soon, everybody. Um, no, nah. but yeah, twenty two years is a really long time, but it does feel just like yesterday because uh, Rick Rude was a huge staple in in our wrestling genre when we were kids. You would see him every single week. He was chasing somebody all the time. So um, just a, just a fun, fun career to go through. And I'm really excited that we're doing this because I don't know if there's enough talk about heels, like like primarily heels, uh, that get a nice legacy episode. So I think we should start a run of these. And there's no better person to start with than Rick Rude. So let's jump into the beginning. Richard Irwin Rude was born in December on December 7th, 1958 in St. Peter, Minnesota, he attended Robbinsdale High School in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, go figure, with the likes of Tom Zink, Kurt Henning, Barry Darso, Nikita Koloff, and John Nord. Um, in this school? Just a few major wrestling wow. names. They all, yeah. What? Yeah. They all became professional wrestlers. He was especially close with Kurt Henning. Um, no surprise there. Um, talent begets talent, right? So, in the early careers of 82 through 84, uh, after graduating community college, uh, Rick Rude worked as a bouncer 
It was a professional. I always remember that fact. Of, I don't cool. like either um, WWF magazine or maybe they just like talked about that a lot on commentary. But that was always one of the big things I remember on him was arm wrestling champ, which I thought was yeah, yeah. I, do you guys ever think of like over the top or you know you <laughs> turn the hat uh-huh. around real quick? And- That's all I think of. That's all I think yeah, of. Let's you make remember, a movie about arm wrestling. You remember? <laughs> yeah, perfect idea. Yeah, I mean, I, dude, Sly had to steal that one quite a bit. So, but uh, being trained by Eddie Sharkey, Rick Rude made his pro wrestling debut in 1982 as a babyface jobber, Ricky Rude. Uh-huh. I can totally see that. <laughs> Already in the ring, uh, weighing 237 pounds, Ricky, Ricky Rude. Rude. And then you got to repeat it, mm-hmm. Rude, at the end. Um, he made his TV debut for Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling in November of 1982 in a losing effort. He would then travel through Vancouver's NWA Championship Wrestling, Georgia Championship Wrestling, and Memphis Continental Wrestling Association, WCCW, and NWA's Jim Crockett's promotion. Quite the journeyman uh, for a while, you would say. Um, he would then travel back to Memphis and became ravishing Rick Rude. He would be a cocky, arrogant heel who obsessed with his impressive physique, not the one you see on screen, but the one behind me, and was managed by Jimmy Hart, which is just perfect, right? This is how you get And I, um, I always thought, I always considered Percy Pringle his original manager, but I was doing the research and writing notes down, and I was like, fuck, it's Jimmy Hart, which is kind of crazy. I mean, when when I found out that it was in Memphis, that was no surprise that Jimmy was there. But uh, I just, I always, Percy Pringle to me was his manager in my head uh, before he, you know, before he went to the main stage, it was always Percy Pringle. And uh, I just, wow, fuck Jimmy Hart. That's crazy. I hate to constantly bring it up, but it really reminds you of how much Vince gobbled up in just a short period of time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Around this time, too. This is when Pac-Man started uh, in 1983 and 84 is when Pac-Man started eating up all the... (laughs) That's contract. A, that's actually a really good. That, that's a really good example. Just yeah. Pac-Man gobbling up all these. All, gobbling all up all the little all pellets. These, um, not not only great wrestlers, but like all their. All just their the, the ghosts events, are just the territories. Yeah. You know. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, finally, they they put out their best strategies, yeah. and then Vince eats like super. He gets a Hogan, yeah. and then they all turn purple and start running that's the other way. The power pellet <laughs> went, went to play, bro. It was Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> Championship wrestling from Florida in uh, 84 to 85. Rude was actually brought into CWF in December of said year. He was then managed by Percy Pringle to Justice Point. He would win the NWA Florida Southern Heavyweight Championship. That's a mouthful. On January 16th, 1985. We talked to Rick Rude. I asked him about his manager, Percy Pringle, who had not moved into town as yet. And now they've uh, gotten a new apartment here in North Dallas. And it was very kind of Rick to uh, show us around. He went with bags around and getting moved in. And since we talked, you have put that American belt around your waist. That's right. The title's mine, and I'm feeling fine. And you're right. Last time I enlightened your life with my presence, you did ask me about my manager, Percy Pringle III, and I did tell you he was taking care of business. Well, just so he would get involved in programs with such talent as Pez Watley, Brian Blair, Mike Graham, and Wahoo McDaniel that would further develop his skills. You know... After like, you know, because like when these guys would cut promos, you know, for any company, whether it was a territory or the big some of the big guys, you know, they would have to cut the same promo over and over again and just change the name of the city. Fuck, like God bless him for I'm the NWA Florida Southern heavyweight champion. And he had to do it over and over again. (laughs) 
<laughs> and if he had to flub, he's like, start over, fuck, like, on the NWA for the fuck, fuck, like, and he had to keep going or whatever, uh-huh. like, that's just a mouthful, just a championship that he held right there, he had to keep uh, do, repeating that promo. Let me tell you something, Fort Lauderdale, there's no way you're taking this Southwest Florida Miami Dade Intercontinental U.S. Championship from the Ravishing One. I bet it looked awful to the belt. I'm sure. I'm sure it looked fantastic. Um, so we go to World Class Championship Wrestling in '85 to '86. In October of said year, Rude would jump ship to that Texas-based promotion, WCCW. Here he began his feud with the Von Erichs and Chris Adams. Percy Pringle would manage him for most of this run as well. Uh, that's a little short-lived with that particular federation. He jumps onto Jim Crockett's promotion from '86 to '87. And he would team up with uh, Crockett, uh, not with Crockett, to Crockett, with Manny Fernandez and his manager. That was a big deal. Um, Yeah, that was another uh, time period that I remember, Rude. Uh, His team with Manny Fernandez, like they were they were a really good team, actually. And uh, Paul Jones was a good manager. A lot of people don't talk about him anymore. Uh, He was manager solely of Manny Fernandez before this. Then the Rick Rude came in and he managed both of them. So besides Percy Pringle, I remember a lot of pictures from Pro Wrestling Illustrated of Fernandez and Rude together, especially when they won the Dave, you're going to read on. They won a version of the NWA Tag Team Championship. So I remember vividly when I was growing up looking back at some of these pictures. Make room for the awesome twosome, the World Tag Team Champions, along with our manager, Paul Jones. You know, I heard through a grapevine that the names for the Jim Crockett Memorial Cup is supposed to be out next week. Well, I'm awfully surprised that Mr. Jim Crockett himself didn't call me aside last week and ask me if the World Champions would make the Memorial Cup. Well, let me tell you something. But I'm quite sure that my men will be number one seed when the names are released. You know, the Road Warriors are proud owners of the Jim Crockett Memorial Cup. Well, let me tell you something. Yes, uh, like putting marbles in my mouth on these on these narratives, but pardon we'll me. Get into it, you'll see. Um, Jones and Rude named themselves the Awesome Twosome and captured the NWA Mid Atlantic Tag Team Championships. There it is by defeating the Rock and Roll Express on December 6th of 1986. In the middle of their reign, Rude would sign with the World Wrestling Federation. To cover Rude's sudden departure, Crockett aired a pre-tape match filmed before Rude and Fernandez won the titles, which the Rock and Roll Express happened to win this match, but it aired as the Rock and Roll Express winning the title back. Wow, really? Like with no belts, though? Way to go. Yeah, they well, happen I'm, to have they happen to have a Fernandez Rude versus a Rock and Roll match in the can that they never aired before Fernandez and Rude even won the titles. I'm sure so they, they just like, went, already, when already Rude, going into the match now. Yeah, when Rude yeah. left, he's like, "Oh, they're promising me a lot of money. WWF got to go," and so he just left. And him and Fernandez were champions, so they're like, "Fuck, we have that match. We're just gonna, you know, join it in progress, probably." So you don't yeah, see so anyone saying, with the belt before or after, yeah. The action here, and then uh, Rock and Rolls ended up winning, and they quote unquote won the tag titles back. So they never physically actually ever won the titles from Rude and Fernandez. They did on tape though. Wow, I feel bad. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the announcer was the magic of feels... the territory. <laughs> but I feel like it's always a southern playback. Already hot and heavy here. Yeah. Um, sorry. When we get into the World Wrestling Federation from '87 to 1990, uh, Rude debuted on Superstars in wrestling of uh, wrestling on July 15th of 1987 as the newest addition of the Bobby Heenan family. Always a great place to be. Uh, in his first program, that was against Paul Orndorff 
who had recently fired Bobby Heenan as his manager. Whoa, was, I do oh, not remember oh. that at all. <laughs> I bet there was a brief stint where uh, Ordo was trying to become face, thought he could be the next Hogan, and that just... The midsection comes over, oh. he may have him wrapped up. Oh. And Rude reverses no. it. And I believe he got the three count, he did. With the help Fabulous. of the ropes. Fabulous. We're having seen Rick Rude being declared the winner of the match by a pinfall. However, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff complained. Thought he was better. Uh, I also have a little known fact, too, before you continue on. Sure. Uh, yes, Craig. And what happened was is they Orndorff had turned on Hogan uh, when they did their hot feud in 86 and took Heenan on as a manager. And then after Orndorff could not successfully get the title away from Hogan, he fired Bobby Heenan as manager to turn face again. You broke my arm, like Bobby Heenan. You my tricep is no, no longer tricep. You told me uh, the wonderful was going to beat Hogan. How come I haven't done it? And you fired. Ah, and then that was it. But a little known fact here. So before... Uh, Dave gets on to the next. I put a little factoid in here because I oh. have to announce this fact. It's a it's a little known fact. Uh, Rick Root. A lot of people say that uh, Rick Root and Hogan never had a match together. Well, they did. Rick Root oh. challenged Hulk Hogan for the WWF Championship at a house show in Boston Gardens on 1988. It's on YouTube. It's actually also on a best of WWF volume fill in the blank. I can't remember the name uh, of uh, it. Thirty six. It's on Coliseum Home Video, <laughs> and uh, it was wow. house show that Hulk Hogan would defeat Ravishing Rick Rude. But yes, That's he cool. he is on tape. Uh, go on YouTube. Just type in Hulk Hogan versus Rick Rude or Hulk Hogan versus Ravishing Rick Rude. It's the first two that come up. It's uh, Boston Gardens, January the 9th, 1988. Yes, folks. No, they did not have an on television or on screen TV program together, but Rick Rude did challenge Hulk Hogan unsuccessfully for the can World Wrestling Federation Championship. Can I ask you a question much. on that? If, if he dropped the leg and pinned him. Thank you very much. Well, I was going to say, I'm sure that, that happened, <laughs> but was it him. another kind of a Kurt Haney match where Hogan just tossed him around the entire time, or was it... Look at the look at the termination. Come on, Rick. Come on, Rick. Oh, yes. Oh, he slammed it down. Not once, but three times. And Root shot off, and there's... Look at that. There's power. Pure power. I think he didn't fit off a little bit more than he could chew. Look, where's the referee? Hook. I was gonna just gonna say that. Uh, no, at the, the it was like a typical it was a typical house show match. Heenan was actually really funny in it. And at the beginning, uh, because Rude was a an arm wrestler, like he was in arm wrestling before, Hogan and Rude laid on their bellies facing each other in the middle of the ring and did an arm wrestling challenge. Oh, Hulk Hogan tapped his arm twice, like easily or whatever, and Rude got up all pissed off, and then Hogan Atomic dropped him. And so it was a typical face versus heel match or whatever. And it was not bad. It was not bad to be honest. Well, it wasn't well, that bad. Rude's gonna be a bump machine, you know. There's yeah. nothing wrong with being a bump machine. When when the the monster is gonna come get you, that's what happens. Kurt Henning didn't realize it too, Mister Perfect. He he got it. Yeah. So absolutely. Let's see, Rude would then develop a routine where he would run down the crowd on the mic before each match, calling them. What was that, Craig? Sweat yeah, hogs. and other derogatory names. Out of shape. <laughs> yeah, he Fast. would insert the city out of yeah. shape. Minnesota, oh, yeah. if they're in Minnesota, sweat hogs, keep the yeah. noise down. 
Well, I take my robe off and show the ladies what ravishing is all about. Or he would just insert some other. What a real like, man uh, looks and like. And this, uh, you know, we'll talk about it later, too. But especially later in his career, this shit would get some of the loudest heat I've ever heard in that my life. Like, it was yeah. awesome. There's one we'll talk about later, too. It's later when he was in WCW. And he actually had to keep stopping because people were booing so loud. And he was like, shut up. And then people would boo louder, of course. So and then he would be like, shut your mouths focus your eyes like he would try to change it up and then they'd get louder and he was like he would just act all like appalled or whatever and it's so good like rick rude was i we're barely into this like he is like the definition of heel heat like he was so good at what he did and he had this body that everybody wanted he directly challenged you as a male and i'm gonna take that female that's next to you like and so he got personal right away even though it was an over-the-top silly you know heel he got personal, like so right away. It's like, you're not taking my woman. You're not taking my woman, Rick Rude, down in the Mid Atlantic territory. And so, like, yeah. it was just kind of those women ain't good enough for Rick. Rude, and it bro. translated perfect on the big stage here to WWF because, again, that's universal. That's like you're not taking my woman. It's like, yeah, I will look at her. You don't look so like good. this. I look like this. Like, and it's just the most yeah. basic but genius heel approach there's ever been. Hey, I said hold it down. They don't like him, Jess. What I'd like to have right now is for all you fat, out of shape, summer slam sweat hogs. <laughs> you like that? He's talking to you, Shamani. Keep the noise down while I take my robe off and show the ladies what a real sexy man looks like. Hit the music. I tell you what, he... And from from all accounts, like, you know, the, the best characters are just extensions yeah. of who they are. And the more... Uh, the, the, the stories you hear of Rude that he actually used to challenge people at bars like that. And he kind of did have a mean streak in him where he would, like, uh, try to take your woman or... or want to fight people in bars like he probably was that kind of that that guy yeah. in real life but it was uh the way he garnered heat was extraordinary top notch every Absolutely. single time he would also invite local women to the ring after beating enhancement talent and give them a kiss he named this the rude awakening which was the same name he called his finishing maneuver which was in my opinion a, a devastating reverse neck breaker it was so it's so simple yeah, it looks so amazing. Yeah. And like, oh my god, he killed that guy, you know, because um, he would snap it yeah. so well, and he because he would he would take that moment just to do it, give it this right, just bam, and hit it. You're like, whoa, um, that guy's dead. <laughs> yeah. And again, this was WWF's uh, amazing way of building guys back now. then. You'd see this every Saturday for two plus months. The way he bring a woman in the ring, uh, make her faint, and then also just snap that neck breaker like. If you, if you missed a couple weeks and just happened to catch it once, like uh, and a little known fact, week, it was awesome. uh, before he developed Rude Awakening, his finishing move was Jesse Ventura's finishing move, which was an over the shoulder uh, like backbreaker submission hold, where oh. like you put you put someone in a powerbomb position, you pick them up, but then you just hold them over your shoulder like this to where their their heads coming out here and their legs are out that oh. way. And he would just shake them, like. But uh, yeah. I think they realized it's better to have a quick snap move, especially as a heel, because. 
in the Hulk Hogan match, he actually muscled Hogan up for that move and held him up there for like 30 seconds or so, like shaking him, trying to get him to submit. But I think after a while, they're like, that's a very long, drawn out move for a heel. We need something quicker and snappier that you could put on anybody. And uh, uh, that well, point, as, a, as a heel, you want to be able to do it's like the out of nowhere kind of situation. Yeah. Like R- Randy Orton's maneuvers just like that. You can do it from anywhere and out of nowhere. And that's why. You just never know when the Viper is going to strike. And Rick was very much close to that. You never know when he's, he can hit that neckbreaker at any time, you know? Yeah. So it's very similar to that. I think that's a really good, really good call out. Um, yeah, he, just, he can hit it anytime he wanted to. Um, super cool. On an episode of Superstar, speaking of that rude awakening, not the neckbreaker, but the smoochy smooch, a woman was chosen to receive said rude awakening, and she refused. This bothered Rude, so he went outside of the ring to confront her after asking her who she was, she replied, said, I'm the wife of Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, sorry, sorry for your bad luck, lady, but that didn't work out. Uh, Rude would then attempt to lean in and kiss her, but got slapped in the face by Miss Roberts. Angry, Rude would grab her wrist and begin to verbally run her down. That's when Jake the Snake Roberts would run out of the locker room in sweatpants. Um, he just he <laughs> and he was all wet and soaked. <laughs> And the announcers would note that he was in, in the shower pants. after this match when he realized Rude was attacking his wife. Um, I don't know how they found that out right away, but um, they did. Only to be beat down by... I remember um, I this remember was on the Superstars of Wrestling, but yeah. it was... it Go back and, and look at it. It was it was kind of real. Like, you just didn't... It was silly, and it was Rick Rude, yeah. and bring the woman in here, and he would go out, and he was still in character, you know, and he was like, and just who here, who's your favorite? My husband. Who's your husband? Jake the Snake Rabbit. Nah! But then, like, when she slapped him, like, he grabbed her wrist and he got, like, Craig was talking about this mean streak that Rude had. Then the he kind of, like, broke character eyes, and right? he's like, he's like, you want to make fun of me? You want to make a fool of me? And he's grabbing her and he's looking at her pretty intense. And then Rude comes out and he actually lays, uh, uh, sorry, Jake came out. But he actually laid Jake out and just started kicking him. And, you know, McBann was like, I can't believe it. Like, what the, someone stop this. Like, and it was just all, like, Kind of like kind of legit and stiff and root and yeah. like real and it was a really good feud. Like I, I remember this distinctly. Yeah. insulting so what do you think about that oh i can't believe it she goes up and slaps you want to play rough sweetheart oh, wait a minute come you on play rough? hey somebody control him she hit him first he's hurting her wrist come on The way Jake ran out from backstage, like there was, yeah, they both, uh, yeah, yeah, were very in, the intensity of it. And it was to great. your point, guys, this began his most notable, notable feud to date. Him being Rick Rude, the two would have altercations on TV, uh, but tore the house show loop as a featured match through the summer of 1988 to great success. I mean, the the door count was good here, right? I mean, I mean, we're making money hand over fist anyway, but uh, if, if I believe the headline, they headline the B shows often. If that's, I'm not mistaken, I mean, but then in sometimes they would actually be on. They would be the last match when Hogan would fight. But everybody knows in house shows, Hogan went on the middle. 
and then Rudin and Jake. Oh, brother! I got brother, you got to get back to for room service, brother. So, um, so Jake and uh, Jake and Rude would go on the very last. They'd be the last match. Got to get into the bar, brother. Um, oh. Just saying. There's one fun spot that came at SummerSlam of 1988 where Rude was facing the Junkyard Dog. Leading up to the match, Rude had begun wearing tights um, with Cheryl's Roberts' face on on the crotch. If you look at Jess's picture. That's exactly what that is. I mean, it's kind of weird, kind of gross, but um, he literally, if I'm not mistaken, he had pants on and then he took off pants. You thought he was going to strip down for the ladies or something, but. Yeah, no, at first he was wearing them just out and out and Jake would make the announcements like, if you do that, I'm going to end you with a DDT. Like, so it was a whole like thing. (laughs) And then in the match with Junkyard Dog at uh, SummerSlam 88, which to this day, I'm still puzzled as to why it wasn't Jake versus Rude at SummerSlam 88. Jake fought Hercules and defeated Hercules on that pay-per-view and rude fought junkyard dog. And I don't understand why they wouldn't just, you know, have it, uh, it not pay it off. Cause you could milk this feud for a while, but why they didn't have a pay. I don't know why they didn't decide to have them face each other, but he gets on the top. So he, he wore regular tights and all the announcers were noting, Oh, maybe he's scared of Jake or whatever. And in the match towards the end, he slams junkyard dog gets on the top rope to deliver his patented Memphis fist. And he fucking rips his tights down and it, he has the Cheryl Roberts tights under them. And he jumps off and delivers the shot to JYD. And Jake comes out of the locker room. And if you want to see 20,000 people go fucking ape shit, he it's gets in there spot. and he like double pump jabs him and clotheslines him. Like clean where Rude flips 360 over the top rope. And, and the place was going insane. Like they were so over as a feud here. Both these guys, like people were into it. It was awesome. Like, I mean, it was a great spot. I still don't know why they didn't face each other in a one-on-one singles match. I'm sure there's somebody knows some kind of reason or it's, it's something. Ha- I don't know what happened, but they both wrestled on the same card. So nobody was injured. I don't get it. But um, yeah. yeah, it was it was a great moment still. Nonetheless. Yeah. Wait, so that. OK, so I, I thought maybe my, my history was just off and I didn't know when they actually did wrestle. But they no, never really they didn't. Uh, they the they kind of did it. Survivor Series. Jake or Jake. <laughs> Jake Roberts will read on. Dave will read on. They their actual first televised match was at WrestleMania four in the tournament, but it was before the Cheryl Roberts thing. So they had a, a, they both went to a draw in the tournament and nobody said anything out. And about two weeks after Mania four or some somewhere around that, that's when they aired the Cheryl Roberts thing. So they actually did face on pay-per-view before the Cheryl Roberts thing even aired. And then, but no, there was no definitive blow off ever like for them. On, was, I don't know. I Why? So did you? No, that, not at all. Jake no, they both left WWF for why? another like four years or three years. Like, I don't know I'm why sure. they didn't like. I'm sure it's one of those. Even, even here at SummerSlam, that. what we're talking about here, like again, Junkyard Dog took on Rick Rude and Jake fought Hercules. And I don't know why they didn't face each other. It makes no sense. And Jake even runs in at the end of the JYD match. It made no sense to me. I don't know why. But, I mean, they were doing house shows over and over again, so obviously they were using it to try to sell I, that, some tickets. That, that's but, what I think. I think the payoff was in the house yeah. show. If you, if you were going to see Jake and Rudin in a house show, you're like, they haven't been able to really knock this out. I'm going to go watch this. That's the only yeah. thing I think of. Back and then, that, that could, that's a good point. King, right? Was Jake the winning part, all the yes. house shows? I'm pretty sure. He, a lot of them would go a long time, and then he would hit. like They were wrestling like 25, 30-minute matches. And then, like, he would hit him with the DDT out of nowhere and finally pin him, and, like, the place would go bonkers. Like, so they, it was a very by-the-book, I mean that in a good way, by-the-book, like, heel versus face match, but him chasing Rude, trying to get the DDT the entire match, they would do, like, 25, 30-minute matches, and he would finally pop it and hit him. The place would go nuts. There was a couple times, I think, where they had a 30-minute time limit draw, 
and he would hit him with it and go for the pin. The bell would ring. He would think he would win, but it was a draw. They did that a lot too, which you know yeah. is is kind of cool. But at Survivor Series, you know, back you, when they told stories, yeah, Sorry. you know, when they knew what they were doing, yeah, when they cared. Speaking of stories, at Survivor Series in 1988, <laughs> this kind of you know takes care of the I don't know I guess the end of the the story. Speaking of which, during an elimination match at Survivor Series, Jake would finally catch Rick Rude. With a DDT for the three count, but would ultimately lose the match after being pinned by Mr. Perfect as the young move on. Uh, Rude was being grooved for something bigger and better, however. At 1989, the Royal Rumble, he challenged the current Intercontinental Champion, the Ultimate Warrior, to a super pose down. That sounds really lame, but it was actually kind of cool back in the day. <laughs> it really does. Really super hot. pose down. Super uh, hot. Feeling the warrior had the crowd support, Heenan would spray oil in the warrior's face. Always a good way to hurt the warrior. Um, while Rude hit him from behind with a flex bar. Um, that is not something you eat. That is something that you use to get pumped up before you're posed down. This set of their IC title match at WrestleMania 5. I remember the pose down. I do. I was like, I don't know why I do. It's, I remember it's the so clips. Lame. I remember the clips of Heenan spraying the oil in his face, uh, which <laughs> no, warrior no sold, by the way. And Rude so hit him dude. from behind with the thing. Rude hit him so hard, it knocked the face paint off his face. If you go back and look at it, it was probably the spit from Warrior's mouth, to be in all fairness. But like it was, I you accept know, your spray, story, Jess, because it's better. Yeah, he didn't spray oil on his face. And when Rude hit him, I'm telling you, like something flew off his face, like a chunk of something. That's Good. how hard Rude hit him with the flex bar. So Good. maybe it was payback for not selling the fucking oil in the face. Uh huh. Good. Sorry, that's that's not nice. <laughs> or for like yeah, or for just being the ultimate warrior. <laughs> Months of stiffness, <laughs> probably. But let's get into that WWF Intercontinental Championship and then Rude's departure for that first time, or maybe last time. The Ultimate Warrior was insanely over with fans at this point. Very few people thought Rude would get the title, but some of us do know that storylines happen for a reason, and Warrior is also being groomed at this point, but um, we'll get into it. When attempting to suplex Rude from outside into the ring, Bobby Heenan would grab the leg of the Ultimate Warrior because it's the brain, yo. This would cause Bobby. Bobby. This would cause Rude to fall on top of the Warrior with Bobby still holding the Warrior's legs and getting the upset win. And if you go back and watch, I don't know whose fault this yeah, was, but Rude got dumped on his head when he went up for the suplex and Heenan pulled the Warrior. I think the Warrior just focused more on I'm being tripped, so I need to trip, and forgot like I gotta. I got a crossbody Rude on top of me. Instead, Warrior just fell straight back while Rude was still up in the suplex position. And it looks rough. Like, I mean, it looked like he spiked Rude right on his head and then Rude, his body fell on top of him. Uh, so I'll go ahead and blame that on the Warrior because I want to do that. But um, yeah, that was like, if you go back and watch it, like, oh, like Rude hits really hard, like when he falls on top. But he Did still you pins him. this conversation where, where Warrior's going to lose his title? I was like, no, well. You got to lose this title, get the bigger title. And he's like, oh, I mean, see words. Not but it was cool. It was cool because, yeah, nobody, nobody expected even fans. I, I didn't think that he was going to beat the warrior. And uh, yeah, I, like I, when, but I, I but I think and I, don't know I didn't get mania five on pay-per-view. So I had to wait to the week after on superstars where they do like the, the still photos the recaps and yeah. they tell you real quick, like what I happened or whatever. And I'll remember it was like a three photo, like quick, 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 you know, like of the warrior, you know, rude falling on the warrior and rude pinning and him. Heenan, and Heenan I, holding his legs. Yeah. I was so yeah. happy. By the way, <laughs> we I, I, I say this every few months, but um, you hate the warrior. You guys have no idea how spoiled you are these days in the Internet era. That's it. That's all we got yes. 
was those still if we, photos. If we were not Saturday, able to get pay per view, we had to watch the Superstars of Wrestling the week after, yeah. and they would just do still photos. And it was like a thirty second presentation oh, yeah. with Vince hurrying up last night at WrestleMania, and he just hit and, it or, like real fast. You, and yeah, if you didn't have the uh, you didn't have the money, if you weren't a Rockefeller to pay three ninety nine a minute and listen to the <laughs> shitty WrestleMania five hotline to where it would draw you out for ten minutes to go through the whole card. Um, so no, you know yeah, what we got three nine nine a minute get, get you. I feel like it's just a bunch of rowdy, rowdy Piper going. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> it was just you know, like the like, oh, well, I'll just tell you it what just started from the beginning. Man. It was like match one, the model, <laughs> Rick Martell. <laughs> it would like, make sure Jesus you spent Christ minutes defeated. Whatever. I don't even know he was there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, 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 to, to your it's point. All, yeah, we were just, and the amount of money that uh, Vince McMahon and WWF have taken from us through uh, 40 years is, is sickening. It was ne- wow. it was never enough. Never enough. They they earned they earned it, bro. They earned it. And by the way, we went uphill both day, both ways in the snow to get yeah. to school and yeah. get off. Or my if lawn. you were lucky enough, so, maybe you'd get a tape. I don't know. Four months later. <laughs> hmm. Actually, what was the time like between pay per views and Coliseum home video? It was probably it was three or four months, wasn't it? It was it was about three or four months. Yeah, easily. How did we live? Don't worry. worry. (laughs) We had to wait. Yeah, we had to wait. We seriously, we actually had to wait. How did we live back? Don't worry, Jess. Jess has the whole Coliseum video. I do now on on digital. He's burning it all. (laughs) We would we would hop in a car and and travel sixty miles to find a new video store for their selection of Coliseum home videos. That's yeah. what we would do. That would we spend yeah. our summers doing. That's dedication right there. Is what it was fun. Yep. There you go. Oh, goodness. Most people remember this title run as more impactful than it really was. Uh, Rick Rude would lose by DQ or count out in house show matches to the Warrior for the spring and the summer. He would also lose the match against Axel Jim Duggan on an edition of uh, Saturday Night's Main Events, which actually aired on July 29th of 1989. Typical I, I heel is typical. I assume WF it's heel. also it's also DQ, right? I know a lot of people remember like Rick Rude with this glorious title run. It it wasn't. I hate to say it. It was like four months. It was just between Mania and SummerSlam because there was no pay per views back then between then. And he lost the majority of his matches to be, Warrior and House shows by countout like, DQ. Do you think Rick Rude even cared? He's like, I'm on top. No, no. But I mean, like, it just kind of, you know, we people were, oh, man, he was Intercontinental Champion. I remember that. Everybody remembers the match he wanted, but it was not a glorious run. It was no honky. I think he certainly was no honky because he he was a a champ that could wrestle. Um, But yeah, just to be shown up by Hacksaw and DQs and being a chicken shit heel champ for just four months. He was he was better. Yeah. He he he's better than chicken <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, uh-huh. the chicken shit. No, he was good at it. For most sure. people, most yeah, people. Are sure. He took close, he took everyone's women. Know? So that's yeah, not nice. I, I yeah. don't know. Like, yeah. Uh, well, you I, think, I think I, I I think that's a balance, right? If you're going to be chicken shit loser, well, you can at least take the women home with you. Yeah, you know? that sounds terrible. That sounds he was like he was hot. He was hot. Yeah. Don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. We what? Can't. What was he going to say? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <It'd> come. <laughs> Uh, come don't, say don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. You got me hard. Uh, Excuse me, it's on my throat. <laughs> <laughs> he was hard. Uh, Rude uh, come, would go on my throat. <clears throat> to defend the IC title in a rematch against the Ultimate Warrior at SummerSlam of 1989. Come on! 
I was waiting to erupt with it. <laughs> oh, 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 Three ninety nine a minute, my owl. You would come down to ringside. You would be a feud now, man. You would be a feud, brother. He would he would uh, distract Rude by lifting up his kilt and mooning him. I I, I remember this distinctly. Too. I was like, "Whoa, um, there's no underwears under there." Uh, while Rude was reacting to Piper, the Ultimate Warrior would capitalize and defeat Rude for the Intercontinental Championship two times. Two times for the. The attention of Rick Rude is all with Roddy Piper. Oh no, no, yes! Belly to back suplex. Rude is down. Travel the I house do, is it, I've never seen a Piper Root cage match. Have I? Still. Damn it. Yeah, it was all it was all house all show, house basically. Show. I'm sure it was on a Coliseum home video. Everything was. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get it to you. We, <clears throat> Jess is converting them all right now. But this is a, a weird pattern with Root. It just shows like, and then his second, you know, feud that they actually try to put legs on. He was, again, it was all resolved on house shows, basically, never a pay-per-view blow-off. And there'll be a reason, you know, as Dave reads on, why there's no blow-off with Piper and him, but they didn't try. Like, it's just, it was weird with Rude. Like, he was a house show guy. They wanted, maybe because he did legitly have, like, an act, you know? He went in there. He was with Heenan. He, you know, talked to women. He, you know, made fun of the men. He did all that. He was a traveling act, I think. So, in a weird way, it just seemed like early, all of his big profile feuds, except for the one with the warrior... Um, was him just going to house shows and doing this feud with this other face? And I wonder because he, he was an attraction in a weird way. Obviously, it's never his pissed. decision, right? But like, I wonder if he just managed to have enough sway to like, I don't mind uh, seeing the lights and doing this and embarrassing myself every single night in a house show. I'm just not going to do this on television. Like, keep me strong either on TV or or move on. Like, I mean, I I I, I don't know. Yeah, could, yeah, that could very well be. Thing. It's like, yeah. yeah. Or Vince could and have then, that vision. Vince could have done that for him. Just that's what I want. And like, Vince yeah. is like, that's not going to work, pal. Yeah, you're, you're going to yeah. get pinned and you're going to get I like yours. What I'm the doing house shows, and the but money I'm not going to like, just on. totally dismantle you on TV. Yeah. That could be, yeah. I'm very smart. The house shows, yeah. That's a good point. Come on, man. Yep. That's how it worked back then. <laughs> I, absolutely. I mean, come on, Al. No, 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 we're gonna go around the horn together, but but to Justin's point, Rude Rude was kind of <laughs> floundering around the mid part of this time. He would participate, but be eliminated from the Royal Rumble in 1990 and defeat Jimmy Snuka at WrestleMania six in a nothing match. And then who? Speaking of TV, Rude because there's a friend, he's friend of me, man. Yeah, <laughs> I drive right him out of town. That's because I might feud with him, man. And I might I. <laughs> 
I painted half my Your body ass. a certain yeah, color at WrestleMania 6, It was edited out of Peacock. If we ever, if we ever <laughs> can't watch Peacock, it's going to be a train wreck. I'm just saying. In the in the early summer of 90, vignettes began airing of Rude. And I remember these distinctly. I was like, whoa, Rude's getting jacked. Um, he started training at the gym in these vignettes. He had cut his long hair off and put on at least an additional 20 pounds of extra muscle. He claimed he was the only man to defeat the Ultimate Warrior, which is true at that time, and challenged him to a WWF championship match in a still cage, Big Blue, on SummerSlam of 1990, set for August 28th. Um, I remember this vividly, but in a mind-numbingly stupid mood, the company had them face each other for the WWF championship on Saturday night's main event on July 28th of 1990 in just a regular old match. Yes, the WWF had their SummerSlam main event. Wait, did so uh, face each did, other Ru- did Warrior go over clean on Rude on July, weird, that late right? July before SummerSlam? Um, yeah. Uh, no, no, this is rude losing the match by uh, DQ and then went on to lose the cage match at SummerSlam one month later. Which, what, what did you write here, Jess? I put absolutely <laughs> stupid. So, first of all, something got fucked up here because I know they faced each other in a cage. So, the whole point of this was on Saturday night's main event, uh, Rude was going to challenge the Warrior for the world title in a regular match and. Rude loses by DQ because of Bobby Heenan's interference. So they had a cage match. They had the SummerSlam match changed to a cage match to prevent outside interference. But that was not translated properly. They never really told that. So they set the main event for SummerSlam as a cage match originally for the WWF title. And then it was announced that on Saturday night's main event, they're just going to face each other. So even as young Jess here, I was like, why is the main event of SummerSlam touching each other at all before the pay-per-view it makes no sense and then rude rude didn't like rude was uh uh, you know in those vignettes where he was training when rude was taking on prelims after the vignettes the prelims would get a drop kick on him and he would no sell the drop kick and he was acting tougher and acting bigger and so it looked like he was more of a menacing threat when he fought the warrior on the saturday night's main event match it was their typical Warrior fucking dominate the shit out of a match. The it didn't make bu- any sense. Yeah. So the whole vignettes that you did to make it, he's noticeably bigger. He cut his hair short. He's more serious. He didn't do the rude awakening with the women anymore or anything like that. He was just serious. <laughs> I'm taking on the warrior. I was the only one to beat him. So I was like, cool, man. Awesome. Good stuff. And then he Dick faces the warrior after all this buildup. And then like the warrior just throws him around and he loses by uh-huh. DQ. What the fuck? Like, what the fuck is... Not, not, not <laughs> yeah. to mention, not to mention. Why even the, have uh, them touch? I would even accept yeah. a tag match with the Warrior and someone else, and Rude and someone else, and they don't touch each other until the very end. And maybe then Rude call, may, Rude attacks him and chokes him with something and, and gets DQ'd because he's vicious. That's yeah. fine. That's going to set a lot of drama that that like, for the cage well. match. But they didn't do that. And then the Warrior just beats him in the cage. Could you, could you argue like, that the Warrior was just being a bitch at the time? I mean, no, not at all. I think Vince was just booking things like that. He had Hogan on top with Earthquake at SummerSlam. I can see Warrior so, going like, that doesn't work for me. Vince was like, Vince was like, I have my world champion in the Warrior who beat Hogan early year hogan's coming back and facing earthquake i don't need yeah. to really think about this as long as those two are there i'm yeah, good to go short-term he found out that was not NBC the case as the year on went on but like that's just that I think that's just what yeah. vince thought like it, it yeah. makes you it makes you it, it oh it does make you wonder what would happen yeah. if 
Rick Rude had a better shot here and got to carry it for a while and said, I'm, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat him." And then we'll it's what they do all the time now, which doesn't work. They have like the the two opponents of a pay per view that's coming up. They'll tag together. <gasps> Can they get along before their match? Like, and they do it all the time now. It's just a it's just a it, this was back more of a primitive version of the, what they do now. Where I'm like, why would you have them face each other a month before SummerSlam? Your main event for SummerSlam, they should not touch each other at all. But I was reading, doing the research, and what they were supposed to translate. I don't think they did. I don't know if it's just they didn't do it on syndicated TV between this Saturday Night's main event and the pay-per-view. They were supposed to say, because he interfered, now it's going to be a cage match. But to my research and my remembrance as a child, it was always a cage match. It was always from the start. It was a cage match. So I don't really know. Somebody dropped the ball when they pre-taped Saturday Night's main event and didn't like I don't know. They they announced that it was a cage match too yeah. soon. Well, Even then, I still wouldn't be a fan of them touching each other before the, the match at SummerSlam. But at the very least, if that's the storyline, because we tried to have a world title match, but because Heenan like you know couldn't stay out of it, it's going to be a cage match now. But why would you point. have the like, same people fight for the title a month then. apart like, from each other WWF on TV? Magazine, a, why uh, even? Why yeah, would I look forward to paper? Yeah, did your shit together and would spoil it. Network TV. Uh, magazines and going to press and newspaper ads like it probably was like a mixed signal where it was leaked that it was a cage match before uh science main event was supposed to like reveal it or whatever like but but still then don't do it like if you don't have the timing right for SummerSlam, yeah do it do it after do it on like but the, even then having yeah. your two principals That's face each a, other a is mind-numbingly dumb rating. like it just doesn't make any sense and honestly and, and also yeah. like the to your point jess mcmahon didn't care he had the formula and those those Whoa. two faces would just burn th- no they burn through everybody anyway it doesn't matter like never give rude enough credit to yeah. yeah i don't think it was rude i don't think uh, yeah I, I don't think it was warrior yeah that's what i'm talking about after SummerSlam, Rude began joining Bobby Heaton on commentary, where they began to make comments about the big boss man's mama. You don't make fun of someone. That's a mama joke right there. You can't do that. Um, as a result, for talking about it, someone's mother suspended Rick Rude for those Dude. comments, and Rude was taken fuck out wrestling TV. sometimes. So go ahead, sorry. Stupid. Yeah, for talking Meanwhile, about meanwhile, in reality, Rude was unhappy about his direction and pay. Whoa, he and Vince <laughs> did not see eye to yeah. eye, and Rick Rude left the company while under contract. He was one of the guys that we kind of will secretly praise. We love Vince on one hand, but then on the other, when other people shit on him, we're like, good for you, good for yeah. you. You guys are independent contractors, you get shit on. So Rude yeah. pretty much told him, like, your direction for me is stupid, I hate it, yeah. and uh, I'm making fun of some guy's Fuck mom. You. This is dumb. I want more money if you're going to do this, and Vince is like, negative. So like, and then Rude was like, "Cool, I'm out." And he's like, "You're not. You can't. You're under contract." He's like, "I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to be there." So yeah, he yeah. would no show certain house shows and stuff, and you know, just make fake excuses why he couldn't be there because he was one hundred percent like. Uh, and uh, eventually, they just agreed. Rude, to, he has a he's a like, "Well, you're going to serve out your no compete, but you're gone." To the man and Rude's and like, "Good, really I want to go. I'm I'm done like, with it here." Vicious like, is the same way as as we go back in the archive and check the Sid Vicious. Same thing. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I hate to be that. Yeah, really good example. I mean, Vicious and Rude were no. the 
the epitome of the example. Yeah, but they care about gaming. respect, and if they're not feeling respected I, or used in a certain way, they don't mind seeing the lights. But if they, they they're not the used in the right way, they know at this time the title itself means dollars. So that yeah. And if the, yeah, they and don't. if they know the, if they know they're moving the needle, they're like, well, then pay me because I'm moving the needle <laughs> for you. Don't change me, Jack. Don't shortchange me, Jack. After his WWF contract ended in May of 1991, you want to feud again with me, man? You want to do another fighter, man? You should make fun of my Bob, man. We should make fun of my Bob. Why does that have to be boss, man? You Why can't we do another tour there. together, man? That already sounds like a better story. Um, anyway. Okay, man. That's why I said it. I should have yeah. beat Hogan. Hogan should never beat me. Oh, Ruddy. Is it warm in hell, Ruddy? Come back real quick. Well, I'm Vince sorry, did on the recent you documentary, what? apparently. Okay. Called. Too soon. Too I'm soon. doing an interview. I'm saying yeah, good apparently things. Apparently, Vince called him. And then, and they, and they, yeah. and then he said, uh, you, it's hot down there. We can get in hell. He's in heaven. So stupid. I was just joking. I was. You're not. Not I'm 74 and I still got. I was just JK with that phone call. No, you don't. No, you don't. You By the way, let's open WrestleMania with the world title match. One color on the, on the knot, That's another color. JK. Right. He's in heaven. J to the K. I have a Tyrannosaurus Rex behind me. Hashtag JK. You guys uh, like my. I make drums. You can do a I'm trash hip. can in my office. <laughs> <laughs> I write it to work every day. Um, I'm sorry. I don't Hashtag Vince has still got it. Make that trend. Make it. <laughs> After Rick Rude's contract, Bruce, <laughs> where's my coffee, Bruce? You bitch. <laughs> uh, I feel like we're almost done, but we're never going to be done. Um, after Rude's contract ended in May of 91, uh, Rude took a few Japan dates before who, making who was his it? next move. But then at Halloween Havoc That's of 1991, classic WCW. Named the WCW. Oh, I, was, I was not going to spend 39 bucks to, or 29 to bucks to watch Havoc, but then I heard about this Halloween Phantom. It's Tom the Zinc Man Zinc. <laughs> High and school uh, classmate Z-Man totally spent it, bro. Uh, after easily handling the Z-Man, poor Z, the Phantom would defeat him with a reverse neckbreaker, a move we had seen before. Later that night, the Phantom would return to ringside with Paul E. Dangerously and Medusa. He would then unmask himself, revealing that ravishing Rick Rude was now in WCW and Paul E. Dangerously was his manager. Real quick side note. I know we're going super long, but here's the deal. Um, WCW was in absolute turmoil here. One of their many times they were in turmoil. What else is new? In 1991 here. And this was such a breath of fresh air just to see Rude in there and what they would do when they let Paul E. kind of have some creative control and what they do here with the group that Dave's going to name. Uh, going forward for the next four oh, or five yeah. months, WCW was a goddamn pleasure over the next four or five months after this point. Uh, they were so this good. Is, it was this such, is a big um, thank Just you good shit. And uh, Rick Rude right. fit in perfectly here. We're going to talk more about it later. But this is my favorite run of his career. I feel his WCW run was far superior to his WWF run. And he might have 
rubbed shoulders with Warrior and Piper and big, huge names. But at the same time, and he was, you know, WWF was number one. There's no disputing that. But he was used correctly with his talent here in WCW. I absolutely sure. love his WCW career. I think it's superior to his WWF career. Dave's going to get into it. Some uh, just fantastic match after fantastic match. He was such a good hero. He, they let him put on kind of a, a, a mean edge here too. And I loved it. And he would grow. Yeah. I know this sounds really weird, but like he, in WWF, he would shave his chest, you know, and be like no hair, you know, but uh, in WCW, he was a, he was a hairy grow his hair here, grow out in WCW. So he's a little bit more burly. He still did the Rick rude stuff. He still did the cut the music. What I'd like to have right now, but like he was a lot more, yeah. edgier here and he kept his muscle mass on and he was a he lot was, more he was an absolute monster here. Yeah, yeah he was a lot more of a, a mean wrestler here and i loved it like but he knew when to play the heel but he was just a lot more there was a lot more attitude with recruit here and i absolutely loved his wcw yeah, stint. but you can't do that without you know put yourselves around a nice little dangerous uh, alliance stable, so to speak so paulie you would reveal several other superstars to join rude in taking over wcw their that's right. The Dangerous Alliance was their name. Their group consisted of Rude, Except for Zabisco, Arn Anderson, yeah. Steve Austin, Bobby Eaton, and Larry Zabisco. This is pretty badass. Um, they were num- the number one heel stable in WCW yeah. and feuded with the top baby cases. And if this is back in the day when brothers, uh, it was Ricky satellite Steamboat phone. So if you enjoyed all like the uh, phone. Such good stuff. <laughs> yeah. But it was cool. It was cool back then. It was like I wanted a satellite phone. I was like, that guy's we, rich we, we call it the brick phone, phone, but yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Or the phone's like bigger <laughs> than your head. Yeah. Like he can get calls from anywhere, even at ringside. He's rich. WCW's rich too. They have it. Vince yeah. doesn't have a uh, brick phone. I never saw Vince with a satellite phone. Vince? That's right. At the Clash of Champions in November of 91, Rude would defeat Sting for the United States title. That's a, that's a big deal, by the way. Earlier in the evening, Sting's longtime friend Lex Luger turned on him and injured his leg, which allowed Rude to win said title. So they they built night. this up through the whole time. Sting actually got taken to the hospital, and then he came back right at the beginning of the match where Paul Heyman was demanding that the match be given to Rick Rude because Sting couldn't compete. Sting gets out of the ambulance right before it comes running down the ring. But I'm telling you, as corny as that sounds, it's a total like normal, uh, typical wrestling angle. The place went bonkers when Sting came in, and Sting pressed the shit out of him on the ramp and slammed Root on the ramp, and then fell down because his knee, you know, because he forgot. And uh, but like the place was nuts. The whole match, the whole match had amazing heat, and Jim Ross was just top notch in this match. It was a shortish match because Sting was injured the whole time. Rude would end up winning the title, and uh, Craig mentioned the phone because Paulie would hit him with the phone later too. So Sting had a bad knee, and he had to get hit with the phone in the head for Rude to win. But it didn't matter because that's what heels do. But like it was just Jesus Christ. uh, Go back and watch this match too. It's it's not a great match like by wrestling standards but the heat my god the heat like was insane like the crowd was just nuts this kind of particular run u.s title versus ic title and wwf gets much better because rude would then feud with ricky steamboat and retain that u.s title at super bowl two in february of 1992 he would also challenge things at house shows for the title for the wcw title in spring of 92 and have great showings there the Dangerous Alliance would face Sting Squadron at Wrestle War in May of 1992, which many still consider to be the greatest War Games match ever. Sting Squadron would win the match due to miscommunication of the Dangerous Alliance. 
Rude would then face Steamboat in a non-title match at Beach Blast of 1992 and a 30-minute Iron Man match where Steamboat would win with a last-minute pinfall, making it 4-3. to three. Uh, There's a lot to unpack there. Um, Dangerous Alliance, miscommunication at, at War Games, but still a fantastic match. you got to go back and watch that. But we always we always joke about how anybody that's got to go up against Steamboat in any match, you know, if it's a house show, I mean, this is planned out, and Rude can definitely, Rude doesn't blow up here at all. Rude's always in fantastic shape, but Steamboat's like, 30 minutes, I'm just getting warmed up. You know, like, you yeah, know, like there was. Every, I mean, just his feud with Steamboat was wonderful. The War Games match was wonderful. Yeah. The storyline with Danger Alliance was wonderful. And you're going to get on here. You know, the WCW would change like management again, and that sucked because they disbanded the Danger Alliance, which totally sucked. Like it was such a short-lived faction, and it should have went on for another year. But um, yeah. that's WCW for well, you. But a, I mean, Rick Rude still was. Uh, they still used Rick Rude as like a top guy because they respected him in WCW. Yeah. No matter which owner or not owner, excuse me, which executive vice president would kind of take power. Like they all knew what Rick Rude could do, and he was still a main point in WCW at this point, all through '92. Yeah, and he was still U.S. champion this entire time. By the way, that's a great that's a great title run right there. So at the end of '92, Rude and Medusa would break away from the Dangerous Alliance because Paul E was being fired by WCW. Great move, guys. Way to go. And challenge Ron Simmons for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship at house shows, but he was always unsuccessful. He was given the title match against Simmons at Starcade 92, but injured his neck before the event. He was 14 months. Wow. As well, ending his near 14 month reign as champion there. That's awesome, right? Yeah. yeah, Rude returned to WCW in April of 93 and challenged the new U.S. champion, Dustin Rhodes, for the title. Claimed he was the real U.S. champion since he never lost the belt there. After several controversial matches, the WCW put the two in the best of three series where the winner would be the United States champion. Rude would win the first match but lose two in a row. Dustin would win the series and retain the U.S. Title. Another underrated feud the- I distinctly remember as a young I was a junior in Dustin's high school good, in 93. Dude, saying? Dustin and Rude tore the house down on more than one occasion. Their best of three was fantastic. The match they had leading up that was controversial that caused the title to be put yeah. in that situation was amazing. Um, you know, he was putting younger guys over and and Rude Dustin was fantastic back here. No. People think that his his career started with Gold Dust. Dude, he was he was close. a uh, he was a U.S. champion back here, Dustin, and and he was fighting mm-hmm. everybody. He was doing great natural stuff. Was the perfect he was working, he was and there were people like Wyndham and Sting and Steamboat right and out of the Rude, game. and you know you go. He was legitly a natural. It's so easy for the the you know the son or daughter of a famous wrestler to flop because you have a huge name. But Dustin, man, from the beginning, even before Goldust, he was, I love Dustin Rhodes. He was so good, and his feud here with Rude was just great. It just shows. Yeah. You know, Root, he never bragged about anything behind the scenes. Root was like a legit tough guy. He didn't take any shit from promoters or wrestlers backstage. Nobody fucked with Root. But he knew, I'm going to put this young guy over because, like, we're, we're just fucking tearing the house down. That's what it's all about. Root knew the money was still there. He didn't have to win the title. He sure. just knew, like, I got to put this guy over and make him look good. I'll be fine because I can cut the music anytime I want and people boo the shit out of me. And that's what Fair. it is. Rude was Rude should be commended um, uh, for his uh, treatment of Dustin here. He uh, was unselfish. 
He put him over. A lot of people don't talk about that. Rude never bragged about it because why would you? Because real pros don't brag about the shit. They just it's go in, job, they bro. do their fucking work, they draw the houses, and they get yeah. the fuck out. And, and that's what uh, we always and did. This, this, and this podcast about this Rick feud Rude, with Dustin is just great uh, shit. Man. 1993, great shit. this was right. So Dustin Rhodes uh, is still wrestling. Almost uh, mm-hmm. thirty years, thirty plus years later. Yeah, yeah. still going. Hell of a crew. Yeah. We we love you, Goldust. We love you. After claiming he, being Rick Rude, was rescued from the injury, uh, Rick set his sights on the NWA World Heavyweight Championship held by then Rick Flair. But here's where it gets fun. At Fall Brawl in September of 1993, Rude would defeat Rick Flair. I'm going to repeat that. Rick Rude would defeat Rick Flair to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, something that uh, another federation would never bestow upon him. Shortly after, WCW withdrew again from the NWA governing body. This causes the NWA to strip Rick Rude of the title, but uh, WCW still owned the physical gold belt. Am I wrong in thinking that Rude and Flair didn't have great matches? International Heavyweight Championship. This... What? They did not. Uh, actually, Don't we had an care. episode before you joined ah. the cast here at our wrestling podcast. We had a topic called Oil and Water, and Rude and Flair was on it. They were solid matches. They're In two the professionals, but they never delivered. And this was a shell of what the NWA World Championship that WCW tried to bring. This is the brain power of WCW. They tried to bring back the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. At the same time, they already had their own WCW World Champion, Vader. Um, and Simmons or whoever, just depending on what month it was. And, uh, you know, they tried to push the NWA and the WCW Heavyweight Championship at the same time. Flair came back from WWF after his no-compete clause. He beat Barry Windham for the NWA Championship. It it was just to say that Flair, so Flair could say he had another NWA Championship reign, but this was not the same NWA that it was before in 1991 when they withdrew and Flair left the company and took the belt with them, blah, blah, blah. So, unfortunately... I don't believe um, that NWA even recognizes Rick Rude as an NWA champion because as this title change took place, they, they were, were in they were in litigation and fighting with yeah. WCW. So unfortunately, I went back. They do not recognize Rick Rude as an NWA well, heavyweight champion. I count it. Uh, I don't even care. I count it. So uh, uh, you, you can kind <laughs> of say that Rick Rude is still like one of the greatest wrestlers to never win a heavyweight championship, and I would support you because that's correct. I don't yeah. think that. And then they changed it to the WCW International Championship right afterwards and, and you know, went like that road. But, uh, yeah, it, sure. it's just it was a mess here. But uh, you're correct, Craig. It was uh, I would say overall their matches were disappointing in the sense of they weren't like duds. They weren't anything like that, but they were just very like, no, OK, like yeah, yeah, it is weird. It was very weird. And a fun match, though, Rude was defeated by Sting at WCW Spring Stampede in April of 94 for said international championship. And then on May 1st of 94, Rude would pin Sting to regain that title in Japan. However, during the match, Rude would severely injure his neck. Uh, we've watched that that playback too many times. Uh, it's really bad. Uh, WCW would cover up by saying Rude was DQ'd before the pinfall, causing the title to vacate. His injury came when Sting did a suicide dive over the top onto Rude, who was on the floor. When Rude fell back, he hit his head on the corner of that platform that the ring was elevated on, which actually ended Root's in-ring career. Like I said, we've watched so, this. I, and I want to talk about it's that brutal. platform because that platform was Stupid. fucking ridiculous. I don't know. 
I don't know if it was, I don't know what type of arena it was, but I'm going to try to describe it and you guys jump yeah. in any time to help yeah, me. You can watch, you so can watch the ring is, too. the ring is, let's say 19 by 19, right? It's a square. There was a platform that was about two feet tall that the ring was on that was probably like, I don't know, like 26 by 26, 27 by 27. So yeah. basically it would try to be the outside floor. And then it dipped down two feet to the concrete where the guardrails were and the fans were. So for some odd reason, I don't know if it was a big arena and they wanted to elevate the ring up on a platform. So think of a, bi a big square wooden platform that's two feet tall and about, let's say, 28 by 28. And then a 19 yeah. by 19 foot ring goes in the center of that. That's the only reason why I can justify having an odd platform like that under the ring. So Rude's on the outside. Sting jumps over for a suicide dive. He catches him, falls back, and, he, and with the way he falls, his neck and the top part of his back fell off the platform, if that makes sense. But Rude's lower body was still on the platform. So when Sting's weight went forward, it crunched Rude's back on the platform. So, like, it just fucked his spine up, like, really bad. And he already had back and neck issues before this. And that was it, man. Like, lights out. Yeah. He finished the match, by the way. Yeah, and it was scheduled to beat Sting and pin Sting for the title again. But when they when he went back, he couldn't feel shit and was hurting. And after that, they were like, hey, you can't wrestle again. Like, you're fucked up really bad. So they pretended that he was DQ'd when he hit Sting with the belt or something like that earlier in the match, which was not well, a DQ, goodness, but they made thank it. Thank goodness for that. Lloyds yeah, of and to just real quick, and, and I know we're going to yeah. speak through, but like that Lloyds of London contract also, um, I'm not saying Rude did this, but it was also a kind of a little bit sure. of a carny um by wrestlers um to collect the insurance on any kind of injury that they stayed out for a couple of years. I'm not saying Rude did this, but Lloyds of London lost a lot of money on um insuring wrestlers that got paid out on injuries. Yeah. You want to know why, Craig? Because independent wrestlers are desperate when they have no medical coverage. You know what I mean? And like so they were just fucking some of them were hooked on pills. Some of them were hooked on, you know, alcohol because their pain yeah. was so bad. So, yeah, here comes an insurance company that was dumb enough to be like, yeah, we'll insure wrestlers. Of and then course. wrestlers who have to yeah. be like super shady and shit because they're independent they're already, contractors. They're already hurt before they yeah, they're all fending the for themselves. They can't tell the yeah. promoter they have injuries because they'll lose their spot on the card and they don't want to lose that pay. So yeah. they finally find an insurance company where they're like, so if I say I'm injured, I could just fucking collect right. a bunch of money. Okay. And they all did right. it at once. Of course yeah. they're going I'm to not like, blaming the wrestlers whatsoever, but like, if you look at part of that yeah, deal absolutely. is like, you can't absolutely. go back and wrestle yeah, while you've crazy. collected yeah. the insurance after the right. yeah, yeah. amount of time. But right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it was for like a certain amount of years they couldn't wrestle or something like that. I don't yeah. remember what it was. Yeah. So Rude would collect from that said Lloyd's of London insurance policy, which prohibited prohibit him from in ring competition. But he would re return to wrestling in January of ninety seven for ECW. But he would become a color commentator there. Ultimately, become the manager of the Triple Threat faction. And in August of ninety seven, Rude would join Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and China to form Degeneration X. Uh, His character was named Lloyd. Policy. Definitely a play on some words there, I'm sure. Uh, this is where I'm sure if Cuz... Yeah. <laughs> Lloyd Rude. If nice you talk, one, to, if nice you talk to Cuz, who's not on tonight, he would tell you this was his favorite part of Degeneration X, um, where Rude, was, Rude and China kind of founded that. This was some of the best times for those really hardcore Degeneration X fans. 
Things were going good until the infa- in, until the infamous Montreal screw job at Survivor Series of '97. Rude was so upset about the screw job that he called Eric Bischoff and negotiated a deal to sign with WCW since he was on a pay-per-view appearance deal with the WWF. On a live edition of WCW Monday Nitro on November 17th of 97, this is so crazy, Rude made his WCW re-debut and joined the NWO. That same night on Raw, which was a pre-taped show, which was also Rude's final appearance with DX and WF. So basically, Rude was on both shows same night because one was live and one was taped. So all at once, Rude became the only person to be on both Nitro and Raw at the same time and the first person to be in both the NWO and DX. He he also appeared on ECW television the the week of November 14th through the 16th. This guy's yeah, that's face insane. Is everywhere. It's all by chance. I don't think he realized that was going to happen, but because everybody was pre-taping shit, Nitro was the only show he that was consistently wrestle, live. Yeah, he can't even wrestle, Jez. Yeah, he can't even wrestle. He became he became one of the the first guy to ever be a part of the DX and the NWO. The only I believe the only other guy after that before the buyout was Sean Waltman was uh, six, who yeah. started out as the NWO member and then went back to in '98 to, to uh, DX, uh, WWF yeah. as but DX. Wasn't, wasn't then, Luger you know, on both other shows people would join it later? On the no, same I, night? I don't even know if anybody Shawn Michaels would do it later. After. No, it was like a week. Of, I think that was a week apart. Like, no, no, they're a week apart. Raw he uh, yeah, he was on God. WWF Raw the, the week before and then left, and then Nitro was live, so they came on. He was not on the same night. Yeah. So, yeah, Rude was yeah. the first person to be on Nitro and Raw the same time, which blew my mind when I saw it happen. You're and like, then his promo, yeah, yeah. his promo on Nitro was just fucking running down Vince, running down everybody at the WWF. It's the Titanic. Fantastic. It's a sinking ship, which is pretty rich when you think about it now. Um, well, but, it was uh, at the time. I mean, yeah, it was at the time. It seemed like it was at the time. Yeah, yeah. Hindsight but uh, yeah, and then he was also on ECW television at the same time that particular weekend as well. Like, which is that's insanity. Because, and then that that's Rick his Rude, mind. Non- of, like a non-active wrestler at the time himself. was on him all three and promotions and others, at the just time, like uh, yeah. in '97. I'm a professional, but he's going to look out for himself. Like, good for him. Yeah. Give me that money, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. In the NWO, he managed longtime friend Kurt Henning for all of 1998, but Rude would then leave WCW on April 4th of 1999. Hmm. Um, Rude was found unconscious by his wife and died the morning of April 20th of 1999, just about 16 days later. His autopsy found an overdose of mixed medications that caused heart failure. He was beginning to train for an in-ring comeback at the time of his death. The effects, ooh, it's gonna be tough. Gamma, GHB, hy- right? Hydroxy, uh, booty rate, but buddy rate. Oh, yeah, I, I thought that was a fake name when I saw it on Wikipedia. I was hydroxy, like, that's gotta be. Yeah, boot bo- 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 rate. Yeah, uh, yeah. A narcolepsy yes. yeah. prevented prevention. It's almost like a fat burner though, too. Like he was, he was doing a comeback, but it's like a complete fat he burner. Like it wasn't regal. Just hindsight. Not the same thing, but okay, it was. Yeah. 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 Regal was on that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody on this call is older than than when. Oh my God! Only forty. He died. He was only forty years old, and we thought he was old then because we'd watched him all growing up. You know, we'd watched yeah. him growing up. He was only forty, 40 years old. Yeah. yeah, it's just tragic. I mean, terrible, terrible stuff. So, um, 
I, I, I look at the awards and championships, and I feel like there should be more here. I, I, it's kind of crazy to me, but let's jump into it. NWA, WCW. He was the NWA Tag Team Championship Mid-Atlantic with Manny Fernandez. He held the WCW United States Championship and the WCW International Heavyweight Championship. I don't know if anybody says that's the NWA Championship. Um, WWF, he was the Intercontinental Champion there. And he is the in the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2017, inducted by Ricky Steamboat. Uh-huh. To me, PWI, this is good stuff. Most hated wrestler in the year of 1992. That's perfect. that's fantastic. Um, no, but also number four in the 1992 PWI 500. That's how well respected he was. Um, and then number 57 in the overall PWI 500 in 2003. Pretty impressive. And by Wrestling Observer, he was the best heel in 1992. I can't believe there's not more here. But what do you guys say to that? No, I thought the same thing, too. I took out a lot of their indie, his indie titles and stuff like that, you know, because you get CWF, CWP, and all that He's stuff. He's got but a I mean, ton in there. You, you sure. think of Rick Rude, and, and I think the reason why people hold him in such high regard, and then you go and look at his accomplishments, you're like, he was only one-time IC champion? He was only one-time US champion? Like, what the fuck? Like... First of all, back then titles meant more, so they didn't try to change them a lot. So that's why he wasn't like a hundred time intercontinental he champion. He was always in the title story. That's what but, nobody understands. But he was in the, the, title the story legacy the of Rick Rude to me should be he never bragged about doing his goddamn job. He was an amazing heel who believed in himself. And Craig said it multiple yeah, times in the podcast. He wasn't a diva. He did he right for business. He didn't give always. a shit when he had to be like, well, fuck you, I'm out. And I think there's a lot, but he did it right. He did it right. That's the thing. He wasn't a diva. Yeah. He even took a year off from WWF because he had to do his no compete for six months. And then he went to WCW and uh, I, he was so good that any WCW switched, you know, uh, executive presidents and bookers and all that stuff. Like every day, I think they switched, they switched those positions around, but everybody used rude. Because Rude was that good. I think that silently is his legacy, was that people knew that this guy is great, not only physically, mm-hmm. not only a great athlete in the ring, but he's a great fucking heel. He's amazing. Like, And he just went in there with the best. Let's go over it. Roddy Piper, Ultimate Warrior, Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, big boss man for a short period of time, um, Dustin Rhodes, Sting, Ricky Steamboat. I mean, Ric Flair. Those names right there. It's like, and he was on the top tier with them the entire time he was in both promotions. Mm -hmm. He came in WWF in 1987 and was fucking facing Hogan in January. And Bret Hart credits him for the world title. um, And they went right into a feud with Jake Roberts. I mean, like WCW. When was Rude ever flat? The Montreal Screwjob was not a work. And he was in the room. And Rude was the like one of the only guys to stand up for himself to walk that next day and to uh, to vouch for Brett and to make that happen. So like uh, his he has also like an ethic and a moral uh, kind of character that never wavered to. So sorry to interrupt, Jess. I just want to throw that into that. That's fair. Uh. No, no, no. and and a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of stories too about Eric Bischoff. Uh, I think it was Bischoff where they were trying to get the international title off Rude, the actual Jesus, belt. Wow. And Rude's like, yeah, it's in my trunk. Come on out. <laughs> he had a loaded, <laughs> shot, a loaded shotgun sitting on top of it when he opened his trunk. 
uh yeah the rick rude was he was a man's man like he was a uh woodsman uh he was just uh you know chew chew you know what i mean like he was one of those guys dude that you didn't fuck with and like rick rude was known to be a super tough guy but super close with kurt henning super close with a couple other people um bischoff even said even though he was a you know like he was an asshole to you when he wanted to be but he was he was a stand-up guy like he was a family man um not saying that he didn't have his flaws on the road because a lot of wrestlers i think did but at the same time believed him bro but at the same time rude was always a big proponent of keeping his family separate and you know i could have my opinions on that too piper was too Uh, there's a good reason why they want to keep their wives separate uh but again i'm not trying to shit on you know the, the passed away or anything like that but i mean i think rude no matter what they did uh, when they partied and stuff like that, I think just in general, they wanted to keep their family separate because they knew that pro wrestling back in the day, especially was a big a dirty, political a dirty, dirty pool. And, you know, you got sucked into a lot of stuff that maybe you wouldn't have done. Uh, Rude was on some stuff, some enhancement stuff a lot. And I don't mean that to d- shit on his legacy. Uh, he wanted to stay in shape and he wanted to stay Everybody big. Knows, yeah. yeah, because you had to look good on TV and you had to. You know, be, if you're going to face the Hogan's who were like 300 pounds and, you know, those guys, you had to be in, in good shape and you had to keep up with them. Um, I don't Hogan. Hogan was all natural. I don't fault ways. rude, you know, for that stuff. But he has a lot of respect from a lot of people. When you talk about shoot interviews, there's a lot of people that are like Rick Rude was a legit man. And like he just did his shit. and He never said what he didn't mean. He always meant what he said. And that's I, I I remember him like that. I remember his wonderful not feuds the, with Dustin. Not, not his the, wonderful not feuds. The kind of guy you know. you'd uh, want to cross, right? Yeah, I, I just remember him being. Uh, uh, he was a wonderful heel, and that's I I don't think that's enough credit for him. But God damn it, Rick Rude was One so of the good. Best like ever. the selling, Dave. I think you talked about it before we hit record. Uh, sold the atomic drop like nobody's <laughs> business, especially the reverse atomic drop. Rude was just and, there's stuff yeah. on on WrestleBotch. They have Super Sell Sunday where it's not a botch; it's just somebody overselling, like in a That's good great. way. And uh, so Rick Rude has been on there multiple times for him taking a reverse atomic drop and doing like the little the walk on his toes. And, oh, and, and like, he, but even the smirk, like he's so halfway good. into the smirk behind Craig, but you give that like yeah, like it really hurts. Rude like, was he, so he was so good, and, and and he stuck out with me in my childhood. I'll never forget him. Uh, and a lot of people have copied Rick Rude. I can't name anybody. The reason why is because he was so good at what he did that people just yeah. take parts of him, uh, you know, because he had such unique character, even though it was a quote unquote generic heel. It's just a guy that was cocky. But the way Rude did it, man, the the rasp in his voice, especially when he got to WCW, had that like you, unique rasp like in his voice. And like he you can't, you can't, you can't beat tell him. me that Robert Rude was yeah. not a childhood fan of Ravish right. Rick Rude. You can't tell me that. I mean. There's so many similarities. And I don't want to. I, I don't know if Sean's ever credited uh, Rude. I love Sean um, seems a lot of he's influence. Of, uh, he, of he's Rude. definitely um, he's definitely trying to recreate the mold of what you see in front of us today, which is ravishing Rick Rude. So, right, right. <coughs> well, to me, Sean is a little bit more of a derivative of Henning um, in that way. But I think again, Rude and Henning were close. Right, like yeah. so, it's just they kind of they're both Minnesota boys, so many uh, conversations you know, in the back about how to work. Yeah, they were very sure. similar, and Rude yeah. was such a good seller. Yeah. Um. Again, like I, I, it's hard for me to describe. Very low key, but in a big way. Does that make any? It's uh, weird. It's, yeah. it's a big man that you would. But it didn't take like away that. from his toughness. Everything Rude did, it. like from his yeah. from his his facial expressions when he would take a move, like he let the crowd know, like, oh, he got me, and then. He made the face so much better, like so much better. 
Right, right. It, it, it's one of those things where you can argue that Rude is ahead of his time, but an ahead of his time episode doesn't do him justice. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's yeah. funny you say that, Dave, because I actually considered putting him as a trendsetter, you know, in our trendsetter series and uh, to the follow up to Davey. But I was like, you know what? No, I think Rude is legit enough to where not that Davey, not that Dynamite Kid wasn't legit enough, but Rude had a, such a long singles career. Um, in America, in the, the, in the promotions that we saw, I was like, he's got to be a legacy because like Rick Rude is just uh, some of the names I was thinking in my head and some of the matches. There's like, a lot. Damn There's this guy. Like like, this. I can't I can't wait yeah. to get into the into the next realm of, of heel legacy episodes. It's going to be fun. Um, yeah. I but uh, whatever you guys want. What do you want to say about Rude uh, to finish it off, Craig? I, I sorry. Yeah, I Craig, along a little wrap bit. it up, but sir. No, I, I think we I think we've said it all about him. Um, I, I think Triple those H that weren't there. around during <laughs> during uh, those that weren't around for his heyday kind of uh, don't uh, appreciate him and watch him. But he's uh, he was a worker. He was great on the mic. Uh, he was a great seller. He did what was um, best for business. Seriously, do, do um, some playback of Rick Rude just before uh, he did was and, what was best for business. Yeah. But when he got dicked around, he was like, "See ya!" Like you know, just yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, he had it's right. He had boundaries. He wasn't like yeah, he wasn't abused. Like I love guys that are smart enough to to realize here's what this I'm worth. Here's sense. my moment, and and it doesn't make him a diva. Like he didn't spend. Uh, he's not like the guys that just manipulated themselves worked. in the back to he get. He would to do the spots spot. where Sting would backdrop him. Was like, he was Sting like would backdrop him, and, and he would over rotate. He would knee himself in the face and bust his nose open. Like I forgot about he that. was he, such he a hard worker on a regular basis. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was like you, Jeff, uh, uh, Dave. You said a t- he was best atomic drop and he was best backdrop. So it doesn't matter whether he was just landing on your knee or you were you were vaulting him up ten feet. Like gave yeah. everything yeah. he had. We talk, um, we talk about bump machines. And and I can't believe we don't put Rude in that conversation sometimes. Legit tough guy, and I think that image, like, and by the way, the originality of spray painting. Oh, so we never like, talked about his tights. tights. Like, Jesus you're buying Christ a thirty dollars Disneyland yeah. T-shirt, like, we, 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 like the Cheryl, Cheryl Roberts. Robert like, no one had done that before. Unprecedented. Like, spend sixty thousand dollars on on a robe. Well, or even just the, fucking spray remember, painting. Remember, he would face the like, warrior when he would face the warrior. Yeah, exactly. he would put the warrior's face on his tights. He would put Sting's yeah, face on his tights. Right on his ass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right no one ass. had done it before, and I'm not sure that people have done it really since. If I read, like, it was just a brilliant, brilliant move. He yeah, had a, he had a deal. I think the only other that. person is Velveteen Dream has been doing that with his tights. That's, That's, fair. That's because fair. he he respects Rick Rude. I think he's one of the people that he That's was another like great a fan of. Yeah, he's definitely grew up watching Rick Rude for sure. So do yourselves a favor and check out some Rick Rude footage, guys. You will not yeah. regret it. Know your history, children. Jeez, yeah, bitches. Bitches. Uh, for, whoa, for audio fans, give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast, or watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Podcast. On social media, give us a follow at Instagram or Twitter at OWP2019, or catch us on Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast. This is Dave, Jess, and Craig with the OWP signing off. Have a good one. <laughs>